a lot of my recent struggles have been around food itself and body yes. image and everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like there could be a whole episode on this, so I won't go into much detail. But the oils. Oh, man. Yeah. The oils. The oils. <laughs> <laughs> the fat. Coconut. Someone who is tan on the outside and white on the inside. In our cases, our backgrounds are from the Indian subcontinent, whereas we were born and or raised in Canada. Raised in the Western world as South Asians, us who identify as coconuts have faced many obstacles of being in minority races and religions, and trying to find our true authentic identities, not just within our society, but also within our closed circles. Hence, we are launching a podcast to crack our inner coconuts and share stories of growing up immersed in multiple cultures while creating a comfortable space to be our authentic selves. Because now more than ever, we need each other. And you'd be surprised at how much we can relate to one another. Hi, my name is Ogni Borna. And with my friend Myra, we are launching The Hidden Coconuts. So Myra, how's it going? First episode. First episode, that's right, Aggie. I'm thrilled and also anxious because that's just the story of my life. How about you? How are you feeling? I am thrilled that I haven't messed up as much as I've anticipated. So that's pretty good. Yay. You know, it's our first episode, so. Yeah, it'll be fun editing all this out. So much blackmail material. Oh, yes. A full episode just with that stuff. (laughs) The blooper should be fun. Oh, yes. Stay tuned, guys. (laughs) so i thought that since this is our first episode and we're all technically virtual strangers let's introduce each other myra would you want to go first of course yes thank you for putting me on the spot there but um no problem okay so how do i put this my name is myra i am a university student in my second year my whole life has really revolved around the question, who am I? Like, I've had a hard time finding my identity, thinking what it means to be me, what it means to be human. And I think that my various experiences of life along the way have helped me to kind of navigate what that's like. So yes, even now, I don't have an answer to the question, who am I? But I can tell you that I've come a long way and gained lots of experiences. Growing up as somebody who practiced a minority religion has been tough, but I feel like learning more about that as I went along helped me to plant my feet firm into the ground, and I loved what I was learning. I truly believed in what I had to offer, and that's what gave me a sense of peace growing up. Other than that, my parents are actually immigrants from Pakistan, so sometimes I go to visit my family, and yeah, I I find it very interesting to see the big and small differences in both of the cultures. And I think at points it gets tough for me to decide what I want to follow and what I don't, especially when it comes to my family's values versus my own. There's been a lot that's happened, a lot of things I've struggled with. And yeah, through this podcast, hopefully I will share these experiences and maybe you guys can relate. That was a great start, Myra. And I feel you like on the trying to still trying to find myself part growing up. I've kind of always seen myself as like an outcast or just trying to find my circle or finding a place to belong has always been like something I've yearned for, but it's always been hard. So just from the beginning, I was born in Bangladesh and I moved to Canada when I was six years old. So during the first six years of my life, I was immersed in this culture where like it was typical 
stereotypical gender norms. I grew up seeing, but at the same time, my family didn't follow the typical gender norms. So I had both working parents. So I always thought of myself as an outcast back then because I would see my mom working. And on TV, I'd see everyone's mom staying at home and like just spending time with them. And I'd get jealous, like, why can't my mom stay home with me? And then flash forward six years later to Canada. Um, that's when my parents' roles changed as well. My dad would stay home with me when my mom went to continue her master's and PhD. So yeah, even after moving to Canada, there was this feeling of being an outcast or like just feeling like I don't belong because of the culture clash. New shows, languages, dress up. I didn't even know that there were schools that didn't need uniforms. I grew up wearing uniforms. So that was new for me. And although I got into like the habits and mannerisms of the Western world really quickly, people still had this like idea of who they expected me to be or who they thought I was just because of like immigrant stereotypes. So from the outside view, I was seen to be living in this um, nuclear family with my parents and just trying to learn English, even though I already was fluent in English from before I came to Canada. My parents were already fluent in English, English as well. And my teachers were shocked at the time that I was able to read while the rest of my grade one class couldn't. But yeah, in terms of like <laughs> at home stereotypes, my parents got divorced like a couple of years later. So that nuclear family thing was like out the window, like right off the bat. So my parents were divorced and my dad passed away. My mom got remarried. So I'm in a blended family right now. And throughout it all, there's been the consistency of like cultural clash with not just like my environment, but with my family as well. Because throughout the years, I've grown up in like one culture to another culture to a completely different culture now. And I've like started to mesh them up to create my own identity and my own traditions and stuff. So I was exposed to many opportunities outside of my house and within my community, workshops, day camps, et cetera, et cetera. And they all taught me one thing. But then when I'd go home, they're all like acting a different way. Like, in their own morals, their own habits and stuff. So like, I got really confused, like, which one do I follow? Do I have to like mesh with both of them? Can I share myself completely with both of these identities that I've created? So right. yeah, that's like a huge identity crisis thing going on. And that's something I look forward to like talking more about because I'm sure I'm not the only one who like is kind of scared to reveal themselves completely to like everyone they socialize with. So it's all about like trying to mix with how your family sees you. But at the same time, these people in your environment, they have completely different views and approaches about you as well. So yeah, it's all about trying to find the quintessential version of each side of these parts of your life while trying to like mix them together to actually kind of determine who I really am. You know what I mean? I do. And I think it's just so sad how we have other people's expectations and we're influenced by them. Like in a dream world or a perfect world, we shouldn't have to worry about what other people think of us. We should just be able to to do what we want and be who we want to be without having other people's judgments or just opinions that are directed at us to make us feel bad. Yeah, definitely. I kind of see it like a huge cake. So it's like, you're willing to like share at least one slice of the cake with everyone, but you're not going to give one person or like a couple of people every single slice of the cake. So it's like every single slice is a different version of you. And you might share a few slices with one person, but you won't share every single slice with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a very powerful analogy. And I can see it now that you say that. Oh, <laughs> so cake, coconut, food. Speaking of food, 
<laughs> have you ever like been afraid to like talk about your favorite foods with other people just because they might get the cultural shock culture shock that oh my gosh like you eat that ew what is that like, that huge that's a good question oh my goodness okay so no I actually haven't but I can see where that's coming from and like I know that sometimes when I went to school I used to take lunches that were like what do you call them foreign lunches lunches from the Pakistani cuisine and it's just it's kind of embarrassing because the way people look at it and they're like what is that and they're known they're famously known for their strong smells as well which did not help my case yeah for me, ever since I was young, I've always kind of been patriotic. I grew up like in a patriotic environment. So my Bangladeshi roots were always like a big thing for me. And even I remember in grade two, we had a bunch of potlucks and I would always bring kheer to the potlucks because like that was my specialty. Yes. And yeah, so everyone seemed to like it. So that's kind of where I got like a foundation to like be able to embrace my cultural roots. But at the same time, as I grew up more and more, I think that's when like, the urge to fit in and the fear of ostracism came up. And I was like, do I really want to do that? Or do I want to mix with people? But yeah, I do look forward to talking a little bit more about my grade two experience here. Lots of biases and race as an immigrant. We could talk about in a further future episode. Yeah, well, I can't say I'm excited to hear that just because it's really sad that at grade two, you'd be experiencing that. But I think it's a a very important experience that you should share. See, back then, it was like my favorite time because like I was eight and eight year old kid and who was like in this new environment. And I thought this new environment was like the ideal place. Like everything that happened there was like the right way of life. But now growing up, I am specializing in psychology now. So I have a lot of chance to like just look at back at my life and analyze every little thing I've done. And now that I look back at it, grade two was messed up. Yeah. Yikes. But that also like the talk of university also kind of makes me think about not just societal expectations, like of what your current environment expects from you, but also like what your family expects from you, because you're in this, like you're a coconut, you're literally like submerged in two cultures and two cultures that have like two different expectations. Polar opposites, if you ask me. Yeah. So even like in terms of education, that's like completely different um, being in a brown household versus like a white environment. So like there's certain fields that brown people prefer more than others. So if I give myself as an example, if I tell like local aunties and uncles that they ask me, oh, what are you majoring in? And I'd be like, psychology. They'd give this face like, oh, psychology. Oh, that's nice. That's, uh, that's nice. <laughs> and just like have like this awkward pause because like, they don't know what to say. But then I give them the follow up because I just want to see the reaction. So then I follow up saying, yes, I'm majoring in psychology as my pre-med. And then they're like, their whole face lights up and they're like, oh my gosh, free men, good for you. I am so proud of you. And the whole psychology part is like out the window. <laughs> right. They're just like focused on that doctor field. Yeah. yeah. I relate to that too. In Pakistan, where my family comes from, the only two like really major like fields are being a doctor or an engineer. Like those are the two options. You either go mm-hmm. into math or you go into science. Yeah. And did that affect you when you like chose your major? Because I'm pretty sure you're not in either one of those. Yeah. So obviously being a a French studies major is not anything math or science related. So yes, I I feel this like heat radiating from my, my family, my extended family, but I didn't grow up 
in Pakistan with them. So I think mm-hmm. that in a sense, that's kind of saved me from the scorn because they, they kind of have to be like, okay, yeah, like, you know, you're a distant relative. That's okay. <laughs> but I can, I can hear the judgment in my grandpa's voice. Like, Oh, French, like, Oh, you want to be a, a, a teacher. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. You can do whatever. Like it doesn't really seem like they're proud. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's because they don't know what teaching is like here, at least. But at the same time, it's it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, Myra, I'm here to say I am proud of you for doing such a huge thing because it's not common that you're going to find someone like taking like a third language as their major. Because I think that's huge. Well, thank you. That actually means so much to me. Yeah. So while we're on the topic, it's really easy for us to like see like an outsider's perspective as bad or like we kind of always think the outsider the foreign world they're the ones who are going to think lowly of us but sometimes that's not always the case because even like our own family have contradictory opinions about what we do like for instance we talked about like food wise yeah the outside environment might have some of their own biased opinions about it But at the same time, if you were to tell like an outsider or like a North American, someone from the Western world that you are majoring in French studies or you're majoring in pre-med psychology, they would be like thrilled, like, whoa, French. I only took French like in grade nine when it was mandatory (laughs) or psychology. Whoa. Can you tell me what I'm thinking right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's so funny because like when I tell people that here, like they'll be like, oh, like that's so cool. And maybe it's not genuine. Maybe it is. But like, it's funny to me because that's not what I'm thinking when I tell them that. When I tell them I'm taking French studies, a part of me is kind of like, yeah. But yeah, it's nice to see that kind of reinforcement in that way. And I feel like languages and like psychology are just such practical fields as well. You know, we use them Mm. every day in so many ways. They're worth exploring. Yeah, definitely. Especially now, I think people are starting to slowly start seeing the importance of mental health. And I just think that's psychology is something more people should look into. Even like the basic introductory courses, I I think it should be something mandatory for students in high school or anyone really. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. And I think when I took uh, my first like social science course in high school, it was life changing. So Mm -hmm. I, I really feel like it should be mandatory. You were talking about food earlier, and that kind of sparked something in me because a lot of my recent struggles have been around food itself and body image and everything. Yes, Mm -hmm. I feel like there could be a whole episode on this, so I won't go into much detail. But the oils, oh man, the oils, the oils, (laughs) (laughs) the fat. Yes, fat is the key word here. It was really hard because I was always a, a tiny little child. Like I was skinny as heck. I was practically a stick. My mom is not even five feet. So I also had that genetic component where I, I kind of grew not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, and I also didn't eat a lot as a child. I just didn't really have an appetite. And so I remember I would constantly be told like, okay, like you got to gain weight. You got to eat more and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, like I can try this. So it took a couple of years, maybe more than that. But I, I slowly tried increasing how much I ate. And I obviously saw a difference. I was gaining weight. And I thought that was a good thing because that's what I was told. But then I noticed changes that came along with just weight gain, aka I saw myself getting chubbier. And it really bothered me because in this society, that is a big no-no. Like, at least that's how I Mm -hmm. thought of it. Because 
whenever people are portrayed in the media as fat, there's usually a negative connotation to it. And it's so unfortunate, but that's kind of the message we internalize as people. So I was like, no, being fat is not an option. Because of that, I took somewhat desperate measures and I did lose weight. I probably lost like 15 pounds, but get this, I'm in the double digits of weight right now. So it's less than a hundred. And I still, I want to keep going down because I feel like it's a good thing to have a smaller number because we're told to fit into small dress sizes and things like that. When in reality, that's not accurate and that's not what it means to be healthy. So yes, there's that on the one hand, you have to be thin, you have to be pretty and things like that. And then the other side on my extended family, they get really pushy about food because, oh boy, they like to eat (laughs) in simple form. Yes. Yeah. See, that's the thing about society though. Well, we're living in a culture where people are expected to be of this like specific figure, the culture where we were born, like the genes we carry. In those areas, the beauty standards are completely different. People in like the red light district of Bangladesh, they literally ingest cow hormone pills to gain weight just to, so they seem attractive. Oh, wow. Very and different from Yeah. And BMI doesn't affect us the same way as it does like maybe like someone who grew up in Canada. But I totally understand like your beauty standards thing. Growing up, yeah, <laughs> I was such a picky eater. But like until the age of three, my par- my family would have to like blend all my food and then put it in a syringe. And then I'd have three people chasing me at all times, just trying to get <laughs> like a little bit of food inside of me. Oh, boy. So that's always like results in me having to like maybe get clothes a couple of sizes larger than what I probably need just to like fit my arms. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's always been like a huge insecurity of mine. For me, it always ends up in muscle building because I started like really getting into like the wrestling and the weightlifting at a really young age so that also like shaped how my body's built and like how my body adjusts to stuff yeah I definitely understand your like insecurity aspect of body image yeah well I would like to first point out that I because I've seen you in person obviously you are perfect the way you are you're just absolutely beautiful and I would never have noticed any like thing wrong I think we tend to be more picky with ourselves But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. And then the other thing is, the thing with societies is what they do is they kind of throw us in a box. So we have like small, medium, large for sizes, this and that. And we're kind of just expected to like fit into it. But if there's a problem with those initial standards, then there's going to be a problem with the way we fit and the way we react. So there needs to be some sort of change in that system as well. Yeah, for sure. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you, those of you listening can probably relate. And I just want to plug it in right now. If you're interested in talking to us, being featured in one of our episodes, be sure to check out our Instagram bio for the link to sign up and we will get in touch with you shortly. Whatever you want to discuss, whether you want to follow up on this conversation, have one of your own experiences you want to share, just hit us up. That's right. And we just want to make sure that you understand this is a comfortable place and we're just here to have discussions that we think need to happen. So please feel free to uh, chip in if you'd like. If not, we hope that these stories and experiences can be helpful to you in the sense that you can relate to them. Also, keep an eye on our Instagram for more about our episodes, more about how you can get involved. Also, maybe bloopers, (laughs) Naira. Yes. And yeah. A chill place for whatever. If you want to have a discuss discussion in the comment section, go for it. Knock yourself off. Yeah. 
well, we should call it the beach because like we're coconuts <laughs> and like coconut trees on the beach. I don't know. And folks, that is it for our first episode. So we want to sincerely thank you for joining us and for listening to what we had to say. And yeah, we hope to see you again. Don't forget to check out our social media. So that's our Instagram page, The Hidden Coconuts. You can find in our bio a link to sign up if you'd like to be part of one of our podcast episodes. So yes, go do that. Aggie, would you like to add any final thoughts? I think you nailed it for the first time. And yeah, I look forward to like seeing what else we talk about. I have a feeling I'll be throwing in my little psychology skills in there from time to time. I'm a psychology buff. <laughs> I can't wait. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, some great things coming up, guys. And it's going to be even better with you guys cooperating and like talking to us personally as well. Yes, we, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Myra being the mother she is. But yeah, we don't have to know you to love you. You guys are your human. You're also probably coconuts, even if you're not. So we're like, genetically soulmates. Exactly. Souls. Our our souls are connected genetically. Exactly. We we are a family of humanity. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Bye.